I will go ahead and get us ready to clap, and then we will start recording, and it will be the best podcast about Ancient Magus Bride that anybody has recorded this side of the Mississippi. Yay! But what about the other side of the Mississippi? That side is undetermined. They may have better, stronger Ancient Magus Bride podcasts that we can't even comprehend. That's terrifying and scary, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I know those Bayou folk. They're good. Yeah, you know, people in Louisiana love their anime. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. Don't don't fucking don't don't fucking dash on those on those Louisiana. Everyone knows Baton Rouge is literally the Konogakure of of Louisiana. It's where the <laughs> hidden the the village hidden in the gumbo is. God, okay. Sometimes I forget you can totally outweed. Welcome to episode three of Adam and Zach Talk Anime. Drew is still gone, shockingly yeah. enough. So we are still talking about anime. So previously we have talked about Blood Bucket Battlefront, uh, the second mm-hmm. season. I think it's like, what is it called? Like New Something? I don't know. And Beyond. <laughs> and Beyond. There we go. And last time we talked about Made in Abyss, which made us both very sad. <laughs> so we needed something a little bit peppier or at least at the very least not soul crushing you know what you know what by the end of these 12 episodes i was in a better mood <laughs> i you know what i was too so the series we watched was a series called ancient magus bride uh ancient magus bride is a adaptation of a manga series or i think it is a manga series i with a lot of the stuff getting from light novels, I thought it was light novel, but Ancient Magus Bride is a manga. Uh, it was adapted into an anime and was around uh, in 2017. So today we're going to be going going over the first season of it, which is the first 12 episodes. If you are listening to this, I think the second season is still going or it may have already ended. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. It depends on how long it's going to take for me to edit it. Oh, the second season ended in March of 2018. Oh, well, never mind. It's done. Never mind. It's gone. So first of all, I'd, I'd like to mention that there is another manga out there um, mm-hmm. about, it is about essentially Faust, who is a German folklore character mm-hmm. that hits on a number of similar themes to this, although that one gets a lot more, it, it gets a lot more weeby. Weeby. <laughs> it, it gets, it has more like fight sequences. It's much more, uh, not quite battle oriented, but like violence oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it, it covers similar sorts of topics and similar sorts of this interesting fusion between like the natural folklore of different regions of Europe and Christianity and, uh, basically Catholic dogma. It, it, it uh, is, it is interesting in that way. What is it called? Uh, I forget the name of it, but it is about Faust. God damn it. <laughs> Give me a second. Faust manga. You, you set me up for this, like, oh, what is this series? Did I actually get this like? right? Is it just Faust? It might just be because there is a, there is a manga called Faust. Oh no, that started in 1950. That's not right. Um, you come on my podcast and tell me something that you can't tell that you don't know the name of. Be gone. Oh, God damn it! All right. <laughs> um, if I ever is it Frau Faust? Did I get that I, right? I, I don't know. I don't even know. What Who knows? I'm almost wondering why you brought this up. You know what else I want? Oh, it is. It is. It is Frau Faust. Um, F R A U. 
uh, F-A-U-S-T. And now that I'm looking at it, Frau Faust is from the creator of Ancient Majesty's Bride. <laughs> it's the same uh. person. <laughs> I, I am so mad at you right now. I couldn't be more angry. So this is the author's other work? Yeah, this is the author's other work. Amazing. It is, it is called Frau Faust, as I mentioned before. F-R-A-U-F-A-U-S-T. Um, okay, okay. Well, we've talked <laughs> enough about this. By the way, the author of this is Kore Yamazaki. Yep. You know, it's, it, it's super funny because I read the Frau Faust and I didn't even know it. It's, it's just dumb. What, you've read that other one? I have. I have read that manga. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I liked it, which is why I was suggesting it. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Uh, have you read the manga for Ancient Magus Bride? No, I haven't even touched it. So I have not I have not read the Ancient Magus Bride manga either. This was always one of those series I remember seeing on like on like the sidebar of like, oh, this is a hot and trending series. And I was like, ah, maybe I'll go read that. I think it was mostly because I kept seeing uh Elias in all of like the shots is like what right. is this giant demon thing standing next to this small child? Right. Well, we get to learn that one. Also, I, for one, would not call this series either hot or trendy. No, no. What I mean by hot and hot and trendy is that... Listen, let me have my joke, Adam. Oh, okay. Have your joke. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, go for it. I'm going to start cutting this in a moment and post edit. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. So, talk about your experience with the show. Oh, all I was saying was I just kept seeing this one in like manga in or mangaka.com, which is just a bunch of online fan translations, is that this was one of the hot and trending ones. By by that, I mean, it was really popular and was always in like the top, like at least 10 of things that were coming out that week. Uh, so I did know about this, but I never actually sat down and read it. Hmm. All right. See, I didn't actually know about this until it turned into an anime. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, which is super funny because I read Frau Faust well before I learned about this anime too. But there we are. Okay. But yeah, so I I had like no experience, and you're the one who I think you're the one who suggested Ancient Magic Bride to me. Yeah. So I remember uh, I had watched this when it was airing back in uh, 2017, and I remember really liking that one. Uh, it has been a while since I've seen it, so if my memory seems kind of spotty in places, it's because it is. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing the same kind of format we've done for the other two. We're going to be taking it episode by episode, kind of chatting about our impressions on each one. And at the end, we'll probably do a more general overall impression. This one's a bit different than the other than the other two, because like one, the first one we did was very episodic. I don't know. Maiden Abyss kind of had this thing where uh, like each episode was was uh, it would flow into the next one. But they all felt kind of like self-contained little adventures that kind of tied together. Yeah, so they, they it, yeah, you could you could tie a neat bow around each one of those episodes and it was easy to sort of talk about as a sequence mm-hmm. like as it goes along. This show, on the other hand, all of these episodes just bleed into each other. Yeah, yeah, they like do. everything just sort of like rolls into the next thing and there were a number of times I just forgot what episode I was watching. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, where am I?" So, if you are a big Ancient Magus Bride like genius person fanatic that absolutely knows each one and knows hey wait a minute that event happened in this episode or this one uh apologies it these do kind of bleed together really well 
They do. They do, and it, it is fantastic in terms of how they got it to bleed together. There are many things I like about this show, and we're gonna, and that's going to be clear as we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Also, my complaints. <laughs> <laughs> I have one major one. I have one major one. Ooh. And so and we'll, we'll find out pretty quickly. So let's, do you want to get started? Yeah, let's start with episode one. April showers bring May flowers. Which is a fun name. I really like, I. by the way, another thing, I, I really do want to bring this up. The mm. names for these episodes, I, I love the poetic naming for these episodes. It is very cool. They're pretty fun. And, and they usually have, if you're kind of familiar with the little idiom or the saying, it kind of will inform you of what's probably going to happen in this episode. Yeah, it gives you a nice sort of like, it, it gives you like a cool hint for what's going to happen in the episode. And it's also got the like, here's the poetic message of this episode. And I'm like, oh, okay. Neat. Thanks. I thought I was going to have to look for that ev- that message but now i guess got it although it does it gets clever with it sometimes it does so for episode one we find ourselves in london and we are at a we are at oh, one of the most wait cheerful oh i did not realize that it was happening in london and so i actually basically can i can i give the synopsis for these episodes because i think i have a, a neat way of making it succinct okay go for it in this episode oh by the way so this whole this whole fucking thing is spoilers please don't please don't oh yeah in case we haven't (laughs) spoiler city bros i i genuinely thought it was in japan by the way but anyways like getting to the episode i genuinely thought this is happening in japan for some weird reason Nope. because uh we meet chisei who has sold herself into slavery and is then bought for five million pounds which at the time i thought was five million yen so i was like (laughs) that's not that much wow wow chisei value yourself a little higher yeah, come on, get a little bit up there. Anyways, so Elias buys her, and then he's like, I need an apprentice. And then he brings her back to his home, and he's like, but also you're going to be my wife. And she's like, what? And then a couple of fairies show up and are like, hey, come hang out with us. And Chicha just goes, okay, because she's terribly depressed. And she sort of like follows whatever anyone tells her. Mm-hmm. And so she walks with them out into the woods and I just want to say, as this was happening, uh, I wrote, in all caps, I wrote, fairies. And then the next line is, these are English fairies, get out! Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, they tried to bring her into the fairy realm, but Ainsworth saves her ass, and uh, end of episode. <laughs> yeah, so this one, this one has a really strong tone setter, kind of immediately for Chisei, because it starts off in that happiest of places, human slavery. <laughs> and like and you can tell she has like these intense bags under her eyes she looks like the most shelled out person i'm like oh no mm-hmm. so so one of the things though that was kind of neat before this this series started airing is that there was a set of three ovas that came out and they were kind of a story from her childhood where you saw how she oh. was growing up and it's actually referenced slightly in a uh the only time it's referenced ever in the main series is in a montage that if you didn't know it, you you would have missed it. But the reason I bring up the OVAs is because it is a, a a story from her childhood. And if you see that one and see how she's been treated her life, you can kind of see where she kind of hits this like, okay, whatever. Do somebody just take me because I have absolutely no idea. I don't care anymore. Like she's that depressed. Boy, the series slaps you with that. I got that. Um, and it was just something that I, I noticed pretty early on and pretty much consistently throughout the show that this is this is like this is the story of a depressed young woman Mm -hmm. going from depressed to not depressed basically like 
like trying to work through her depression because I, and this is going to come up a lot. Every character other than Ainsworth is actively trying to help her with her depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ainsworth, by the way, who is Ainsworth? Uh, Ainsworth is a demon man. His name is Elias. So Elias Ainsworth <laughs> is the man who buys Chise. Now I say man, but he's really more like he does have man voice. He's kind of like a corrupted fairy or spirit or something. The series, at least for this first season, doesn't quite go into exactly what he is. It kind of hints at it. It does. It it gives a it gives a reasonable explanation. They call him a half breed a lot. So he seems like a mixture of he they, they very frequently like from the twelve episodes I saw. He's basically a fairy in human skin. Yeah. Who who's like who's donned the the robe of a human. Mm-hmm. And is sort of like wearing it as in in and clearly by his appearance and like the mockery of what a human is. And so people don't like him very much. To something well, I, I Well, first off, he's a giant he's a giant he's very giant big. man with a what I think is like a goat or a uh, I think it's like a goat's skull. That's, goat. That's gotta be a and goat, yeah. It's it's not like he's wearing it, it is his head, like he'll open it yeah. his tongue like you see his tongue in his seven parts, like I remember watching that was like, I wonder why he's wearing that mask. And then at one point he like opens his mouth to eat something. He's like, that's not a mask. That's yeah, just, no. it's, that's just his head. Yeah. For like a split second, I thought it was a mask too. And then I saw he never took it off and I was like, oh, that's just his head. Mm-hmm. Cool. The other thing I want to point out is this series starts like almost immediately throwing like, I guess it's like European, like uh, folklore terms at you. Oh, because yeah. in the first episode, we are introduced to the fact that Chise is apparent is a slay beggy or a slay bega. Said beggy, but I guess it could be pronounced bega. We're gonna go slay beggy. I had never, <laughs> I had never heard of that before, and neither have I. I looked it up and I couldn't find anything on it. So I hope you know. And that continued for the rest of this series, where there was oh, like, okay. ah, what about this folklore thing? It's like, what the hell is this folklore thing? It's like, I, I kind of know it. Like, sleigh begging is something I couldn't find anything for. Every other time they brought up some folklore thing, I could go to Google and it would just automatically show me. Hmm. In, in a later episode, they referenced Turn the Nog, like, three or four times. And I just learned that was the home, that's what the, the home of the fairies is. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, that actually reminded me of the uh, Tuatha de Dan. Uh, Tuatha de Danan. Speak I'm butchering English. that. I'm I'm butchering that pronouncement. By the way, it, it's it's the collection of Celtic gods uh, from Ireland. Okay, boy, I'm gonna sound really confused in this episode. Uh, anything else we want to talk about in episode one? I have one other thing I want to bring up. So i i have a, I have a couple of like funny notes that I wrote, which is uh, Skull Man gives pep talk to the most depressed high school girl. This is accurate <laughs> for most of this series. It's and it's it's not always the Skull Man. It's every other. It, it's Every character other than the depressed high school girl gives pep talk to the depressed high school girl. That's the series. There you go. And the next, the literally the next line is, I never knew Entangle could teleport. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's true. So, oh, I, okay. I guess I have two things to mention. One, so Elias in this episode is referred to as the uh, oh, thorn fuck. mage, or he's like the mage yeah. of thorns. Yeah, I call and him thorns I, sometimes. <laughs> and I got the impression that he was going to be all all thorns. Like, he just like used thorn, like, vines and whips and stuff. And he does, but he also uses them for things I didn't think you could use thorns for. Case in point, I didn't think you could use thorns to warp. 
Yeah, that was that was a weird like moment. I just like there were a bunch of like vines with thorns coming on around it, and then I was like, "Is he's transporting her somewhere?" Wait, entangle teleports? What the fuck? Come on, my D and D books have been lying to me. He, he's also got like some shadow magic in there and stuff like that. Yeah, it's yeah, like... she has he has some other stuff like that. Uh, here's another thing: when he's describing where his home is, he says his home is west of London in the outskirts of England. Mm-hmm. my very first thought was you live in wales elias just say you live in wales no that that <laughs> uh, points it too close to home it's got to be somewhere else like he can't just say wales he can't just say i no. live on the border of wales <laughs> no not even a little bit let's see i think at this point we know that he basically bought her one because she's a slave baggie uh this yeah. is kind of spoiling a bit further in does he tell her that he wants to make her his apprentice in this yes. point? Yes, he okay. starts with apprentice. The first thing okay. he says so, in the fucking slave auction is, I want this girl as my apprentice. So he buys her as an apprentice and then says, I actually also bought you as uh, to be my wife. And he's like, yes. wow, okay. He, yes, and he does this at the end of episode one. And at that point, I'm like, I know the series is called Ancient Magus Bride. But Elias, what the fuck? And that feeling does not leave me throughout the entirety of my watching. <laughs> just just the whole, like, why did you, like, Elias, why, why you gotta be a weirdo like this? Uh, shall we move on to episode two? Yes, we shall, because I like that one a lot. Uh, so episode okay. two is, she say wakes up after What's her the fairy name? ordeal. What's the name of the episode? Oh, the name of the episode is, one today is worth two tomorrows. Oh, that makes sense. It does. Well, I actually don't understand the poetic meaning of that one, but but yeah. So so Elias takes Chuse shopping. He, he mm. takes her into London, and they go to a bookstore, and they meet this woman named uh, Angelica Burley, mm-hmm. who is basically an artificer, uh, who 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 makes magical artifacts, mm-hmm. and that's where we learn that slave baggies are powerful things. But that's basically that's the episode. That's pretty much it. We meet Angelica, and we meet her kid. She has a mm-hmm. she has a cute little daughter. Does she show up much? That I don't remember her having a kid, but that may just be because the kid doesn't show up that often. Angelica doesn't show up that often. She doesn't know. Um, but that and that, I mean that's basically the episode. Mm. Uh, I mean the, the at the end of it she gets kidnapped by a dragon, but that's just episode three. That's just the prelude to episode three. I like I like how getting kidnapped by a dragon is ah no biggie whatever. Well, we'll get there. So there actually were a couple oh, things in this episode. <laughs> Uh, mm. I have a funny thing about episode three. Anyways, so, so I, I have two things about this one, uh, just to add to the kind of what happens in this one. One, uh, we also learn about how there's a difference between magic and alchemy and how basically how the different magic systems work. Well, wait a second. World. It's ma- it's different between mages between magic and sorcery. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, but magic... like, there's also like there's also like alchemy in there, but I think that falls under sorcery, isn't there? I don't know what it falls under. No one classified it. Well, alchemy, I think, is when you is what she was doing. She's shaping the like the crystals into different stuff. Right, but she's a uh, mage. She's not a sorcerer. I don't know, but uh, so maybe alchemy is just uh, something in there. But I feel like I feel like alchemy is just a thing you do. <laughs> but the way they distinguish this is that mages will commune with the spirits and kind of through a conduit change how the world is. And then sorcerers, I guess, like are imposing their will on something to change it. Is that am I remembering right. that correctly? So, so the way they describe it is that mages form a pact with a fairy. I have mm. the feeling it's not just fairy, but any spirit could be 
the thing you form a pact with and you basically channel you use them to channel what you want to get done and they perform miracles that mm-hmm. sort of like basically change rewrite the rules of existence essentially whereas sorcerers go into they they just directly rewrite things i guess they don't mm-hmm. the miracles aren't really like rewriting things the sorcerers rewrite the rules of existence to fit their needs yeah and that's kind of what i meant like they sorcerers kind of impose their will on the thing they're trying to do magic or uh, yeah or sorcery on and i always i don't know why but i always like it in any series where they make like the distinction between all the different like kind of like the different magic systems like, yeah. it's like oh yeah magic is this sorcery is this and for some reason i always like it when there's that kind of that just that extra bit of world building where it's not just like oh yeah this is just generic magic it's like oh this is why this works this is why this works Mm-hmm. and oh by the way so the other thing that happens to this episode is that we get to meet simon from the catholic church oh yeah he does show up does he just by show way, up and go, hey, they, they never me. explicitly say he's from the catholic church do they do they say he's catholic if they don't it is incredibly and heavily implied <laughs> he's wearing the outfit he's got yeah, it he's going. wearing a priest wear. i i want to say it is I, I really want to say it is but, I'm, <laughs> but if they be. didn't then it's heavily implied <laughs> yeah and then the other thing we learn is I think is this the first time we've seen uh Chise's mom or like a flashback of it? Um, we might get like a brief glimpse of it. She goes like the crystal flower thing and she like freaks out when she remembers. Oh her right, mom. yeah, 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 the crystal flower thing. She freaks out about a memory of her mother. Uh the other thing so here's the thing with the Catholic Church and why I asked about it. The mm-hmm. Catholic Church really isn't that big of a deal in, in England. They've mostly it's mostly Anglican. Mm-hmm. Which made me think like, did they intend for this show to be in Ireland? Which would have been pretty perfect with the like insane scenic vistas and the amount of times they reference it. No, they're on the west side of London. You you can't tell where they are. It's just west of London. Oh for my all you God. for all you know, it could be in America. Because that's really <laughs> west of London. It's not the outskirts of England though. You don't know. Oh where does God. England yeah, they're stop? In, they're in fucking New York. Oh my gosh. Ancient Magus Bride in New York would be pretty great. No, actually, that was the other thing is is uh the like they, it takes place in the old world that stays there a lot, and I keep thinking like I wonder how it works in America. I'm an American. I want to know how it works in my country. Well, this has the, yeah, this has the thing of like oh, there's this whole magic society and stuff, and you're like okay, that makes sense for here. How the hell does that work anywhere else where it's like more populated or more industrial, modern kind of deal? Well, I mean. England is a is a industrial modern country. Like, like the Great Britain. I, is, I mean, is... like packed the gill like New York kind of deal. Right. Yeah. No. Like New York City, you're like, oh, well, good luck. But then again, they have people in London getting off of this shit. Mm. It seems implied that they have university systems, but the sorcerers have university systems at least. By the way, I, I do also want to say, from the moment they mention sorcerers, they get a bad fucking rap. Well, yeah, I, I kind of got the. They they are kind of diet like pose diametric to each other whereas the, whereas a mage yeah. kind of works with nature and the spirits to create something a sorcerer will kind of just force it to be the way they want it to be and and yeah you're right and when angelic is describing this thing it is kind of like a ah mages are so good sorcerers are bad if you see a sorcerer kick them in the shin they're evil yeah i was like damn sorcerers get a bad rap man mm-hmm. <laughs> um so the other thing the other thing i do want to say Angie, I called her Angie because I couldn't remember her full name. Angie is best girl, best mom, more responsible than Ainsworth. Wow, how could you possibly throw uh, Professor Ainsworth under under the bus like this? Because or, Professor uh, Ainsworth is a terrible instructor. 
Yeah, he is. Ainsworth at this point, I think, uh, well, it's only two episodes in, so we can't say much for him as a teacher. But overall, the entire thing, he's kind of more or less, I will help you do this thing. You're going to learn it yourself. He's like, I thought you were supposed to be on my apprentice. Like, ah, you're my, I'm the master. Here's a book. Go read. He doesn't really, like, jump into lessons. He doesn't go, like, here, here's what this is until, like, episode four or five. And I'm like, hey, Ainsworth, that took you a fucking while. He just... hey, they were get they were getting set up. They were getting ready for episode three. Also, because mm-hmm. Chise got kind of kidnapped by a dragon, and that you know puts yeah, a damper on your lesson plan. That was a weird end of that episode. But yeah, no, I do I do want to say Angelica is one of my favorite characters in the show. She is amazing, and I love her. Mm-hmm. Do you love her as much as episode three, though? I do like Lindell as well. So let's talk about episode three. Mm-hmm. It is called "The Balance Distinguishes Not Between Gold and Lead." That's another that's another five dollar sentence right there. Oof boy. Alright, this is depressing and this is the giant melancholy like feel just feels episode. This is, is like the first is, one of the series. Listen, man, of the episode, series episode three is the like calling card of this series. Mm-hmm. It is it is depre- it, it is melancholic, it is about death and mourning, and it is um but it is ultimately uplifting. Like Yeah. That is the calling card of this entire series. The amount of times this show gets into things dying and having to mourn their loss is insane. It happens all the time. That's what I was telling you. Like, this series overall just has, like, a very melancholy vibe to it. There's really... Yeah. I I can't... It can sometimes be a downer. It can sometimes be an upper. But most of the time, it just kind of feels, like, melancholy reminiscent of stuff. Or it has that nostalgic Mm. kind of vibe. Yeah, it it definitely does. Because, like, all the majors are talking about how they're dying off. Yeah. Which is something that comes up in this episode as well. Uh, so anyway, so this episode, we enter the Valley of the Dragons. Basically, Chisa gets kidnapped by the caretaker of the Valley of the Dragons. Mm-hmm. That's uh, and, Lindell. Which is Lindell, who turns out to also be a cool dude. She almost fucking drowns, if I remember that right. Uh, but anyways, so so they hang out. Um, she, meets, she meets this, like, old age dying dragon named Nevin. Mm-hmm. Who dies and becomes a tree, and it's very sad, but she gets to witness his last memory of him flying. Yeah. And they get to share that memory together, and it's beautiful. Um, if I remember my notes correctly, mm-hmm. while, well, that was a beautiful scene. Oh, we also we also learned that uh, because Chise is a sleigh beggy, that she's going to die faster than most people. That's another big, yeah. important plot point. Well, I was going to say that one of the things we kind of learned about this one, why Chise is talking to Nevin, is because she's kind of wondering, like, how she kind of got here and and she's remembering i guess talking with nevin she remembers the time she's considered like killing herself kind of thing and nevin is sitting there saying like well when you're as old as i have you kind of get a perspective to see everything how it is and think if you had died at that point you wouldn't even be here and you wouldn't have met elias and you wouldn't be kind of starting this new life kind of thing i think that's nevin's second talk with her i don't really care if it's the first or the second one i'm just saying it's a talk that they that he it, has yeah it's a conversation say. that they have and it's it's one of the it, it that's kind of like the one of the themes that is that also carries through is this kind of like how, how do i put this this kind of like just trying to survive because things will get kind of better like that kind of mm-hmm. idea does keep coming up of be oh, yeah. like appreciate the now because it may there was a chance it may not have happened kind of deal right um so a couple things i want to mention one about the last episode that i forgot they had a really proper english breakfast in that episode did they i don't remember the english breakfast of that one i had to pause the scene because it did not show up for very long but it was eggs bacon baked fucking beans 
sausage, mushrooms, and tomato. And that is a proper English breakfast. Boy, England, get more calories in. My only thought is, uh, mm-hmm. like, my only thought, my last thought is, she says Japanese. Is she going to finish all that? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. She's like, she has one of the only, like, Japanese names, but is she, her, I guess she's Japanese. She's she's and, a redhead and she's definitely Japanese. Well, it kind of goes with this thing of, like, it's all set in England and it's all set in, you would assume, like, oh, we might be following an English character. It's like, no, this is an anime. It's going to be half Japanese. She might be half. She might be That's half just Japanese. how it's going to be. Anyway, so back back to episode, sorry, and one small note, another small note about the beginning of episode three. The very first image is this image of, like, the skeleton of, like, a elk or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this. But literally all I could think of was fecundity, which is a Magic the Gathering card that has a very similar looking art on it. And I literally just screamed out fecundity at the beginning of episode three. Neat. Uh, also, holy fuck, the Land of Dragons is gorgeous. <laughs> uh, yeah, that this whole episode and really this whole series has really good art to it. I, I like everything seems to be animated well. Uh, I like the use of colors. Everything is just kind of beautiful. And some, but this episode specifically, uh, it's that last shot of them flying. I don't know. There was just kind of this like, boy, everything really is beautiful. You got to appreciate the now, man. It's true. When they when the show wants to be beautiful, it is gorgeous. Uh, sometimes mm. they're not. I noticed that there's a couple of scenes where, like, I'm like, well, that looks weird. I, I guess, like, every series has its kind of thing like that. Like, you definitely yeah. have to go for the budgets. But, I mean, to <laughs> me, overall, there may be those odd moments. But, overall, I remember this as a series that looked really nice. Like, it looked, oh, yeah. just looked good. Um, and, actually, on that note, the, the in particular, the way that they, they depict fairies, I actually thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they went to depict elves, like, way later. And I was like, oh, look, standard elves. Uh, I guess to me, like, I don't fine. remember like, them being, like, standout, like, oh, neat designs for the, the fairies. They kind of just look like, well, look, those those are fairies. Yep, those are fairies. Right, exactly. I so they, they did a really good job of conveying what a fairy was, and they did a really good job of conveying the fact that fairies are tend to be elementally associated, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And it is one of those cool sort of like, I, I always attributed it to being one of those like Western Japanese hybrid sort of mythological things mm-hmm. that I find absolutely fascinating and interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, oh, one other thing I wanted to mention in this episode is uh, we talked about how this series, you know, also does like a lot of like basically each episode really does flow into the other. Uh, this one has kind of a setup or in foreshadowing for a later episode where when Nevin is dying, uh, Nevin says, you know, when dragons die, they become these great trees. And that when Chisei needs to make a wand that he wants, uh, he wants her to use, basically use one of the branches as a wand kind of thing. Yep. And we get, uh, we deliver on that. Thank and I don't know. Time for I always thought that was a really cool. It's like, wow, cool. You get like a dragon tree wand. That's a right. New- and that tree grew real fast. Sorry. Uh, spoilers, Nevin died and the tree grew on him. I, I don't think that was a spoiler at all. I think that was implied that, yeah, Nevin is <laughs> Nevin is totes dead. Yeah, he's very dead. And so he dies, and then the, the spree sprouts out into a tree just like, boom, immediately. And I was like, whoa. Bang, tree. Tree. <laughs> Before we move on to episode four, the one last thing I wanted to mention is because you, you kind of made a comment about this, and it's something I noticed. Uh, you said Chisei almost drowns in this episode, and that's true. Like she's she standing next to the, a a waterfront, and she like doesn't she like pass out or gets like dragged into the water or something like that. No, here's here's what more accurately what happens. Um, when Lindell lands, mm-hmm. the dragon's he's like 
okay, dragon, put her down. And he just lobs her out into the water. Right. On accident. The point, totally the on point accident I'm trying to make <laughs> is that this girl almost drowns multiple times. Yeah, that's surprising. That is the thing that happens to this girl multiple times in this series where she's like, oh, look, water. And like, I wonder if Chise is going to have a drowning sequence in this episode. Wow, she almost did. Good job. I mean. Elias, teach her to swim. Teach her to swim. Girl, you need to swim. Nobody seems to want to tell her that. You'd think with all these water spirits, you'd be better at swimming, but you're not. <laughs> I swear. I don't know there's, why. There's going to be, there will be a future episode where she falls into the water and starts drowning and her goddamn, her dog has to come out there and grab her and pull her out. I don't know. You mentioned that and I'm glad you mentioned it because it was something that kind of bugged me going through yeah. this series. It's like, girl, stop drowning. I mean, I could, I could. You could thematically bring it back to uh, her mom choking her, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a scene where she's yeah. like, where her mom is regrets having her, so she's choking Chise out. Yeah, because Chise, Chise, Chise has a nervous tick where she grabs her neck. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's well done. That's like, I was just looking at it going like, oh, that's, that's a good piece of character thing. Mm. It does a really good job of reminding you of like, that's like one of her anxieties. Um, because again, the show is insanely good at Chise's anxiety and depression. They do a really good job of showing that. Yeah, you always kind of—I don't know about you—I always kind of want to just like reach in the screen, like pat on the head, like "Don't worry, girl, it'll be okay." It's and okay. Some horrible monster Adam. shows up, like "Oh, I don't know if this will—I ha- don't know if it's, it'll be okay." It's I hope okay. it is. No, Adam, Adam, it's okay. Don't worry. Every character other than fucking Ainsworth feels exactly the same as you do. <laughs> Well, I mean, Ainsworth, like, towards the end, clearly does care about towards her. The end, towards the end, he's he's figuring it out. But like, but the other the other thing we should mention about Ainsworth <laughs> is uh, because he is a fairy. One of the other reasons that he has purchased Chise or is you know has her under his wing is because he's hoping that she will teach him about being human or like having human emotions, and maybe that and that's probably why the in the uh first few episodes he's very not he seems kind of off put by everything and towards the end towards the end of the the season he becomes a little bit more warmer because he is learning those kind of emotions yeah he is sort of learning the emotions and i get that i understand he has a journey to go on i just Mm. i do want to say like at least for the first 12 episodes every single character other than than elias einsworth and that asshole seem genuinely in chise's camp Mm mm-hmm or even if they don't start there, they end there. Like, every character is, like, concerned about her. Uh, yeah. By the way, hey, Elias, small piece of advice. I know you don't understand that this girl was depressed, but she's not the best person to teach you how emotions work. <laughs> like, well, hers. clearly somebody who doesn't have emotions probably wouldn't know that. Yeah, I know. I just... It's like, just... whoa, that, girl, that girl's doing well for herself? I'll have her teach me, like... Elias, no. Right. Um, so, anyways. Let's move on. To yeah, we'll move on. Four. We're going to move on to cats. Meow. Everything on. must have a beginning. Yep. Uh, and I call this cats because there's a cat king that's actually a queen, but they keep calling her king. And there is, like, a corrupted soul in prison on an island um, who was a terrible soul who murdered a bunch of cats. <laughs> so, this is actually a, a two-parter. Uh, with epi- Four and yes. five are part of... Uh, two-parter one so it might just be better to talk about these two together yeah i think yeah it's uh, probably a good idea so um, four as we said is everything must have a beginning 
Episode 5 is called Love Conquers All. Yep. And the gist of this is, is that Elias is kind of, Elias is tasked with kind of going on these little investigation things from the church of, hey, can you take care of this because you can kind of deal. And he's going through because there is a corrupted spirit kind of hanging out in this area. And we eventually learned that, oh, look, this place is run by, a, like, well, not run, but there are a bunch of cats here who are also magic and we can talk to the cats. And... Boy, it would certainly suck if there was some tragic backstory. Oh, no. There's a tragic backstory. They only had to implement the king because there was a terrible man many years ago who was murdering lots of cats. Yeah. I did not see that coming. I had, I was completely unaware about the cat king. I guess that's a folklore story about the guy who's like, I, so. I want to stay. I want to save I... my. Uh... Basically, the soul, the corrupted soul that's there is actually like, I think the husband and the wife spirits are kind yeah. of trapped there plus and the dead cat spirits the dead yeah. cats are there as well <laughs> and what happened was back in ancient times they they aren't really exact with it seems more medieval but yeah yeah this woman was having the uh, had this disease and this traveling sales uh and this guy was like i want to save her so i'm going to try all these different things and this traveling uh i guess i guess a magician or something it's a sorcerer he calls it a sorcerer. sorcerer a traveling sorcerer says i can do it let's do this and teaches him a magic elixir and wouldn't you know it, it's because the magic elixir involves needing to kill all of the cats in the village, of which... Well, he doesn't have to kill all of them. He just kills a few of them. He only needs to kill, like, four or five, which he does, and then he gives it to his wife, and her, his wife turns into a puddle of goo. Well, yeah, because wasn't it, like, he, he was killing all the cats and then was going to use the, their life force to give her life back. I remember this part because, they, like, the uh, the girl Mina has a cat, and of course, that I think that cat is the one that eventually kills the husband, or does that cat die? I can't remember off the top of my head. It is, it is, um, yeah, yeah, Mina's, Mina's cat is the one that kills the husband. Or at least yeah. bites his neck. Like, he, he mm. leads the charge and becomes the first cat king. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, does, it does a big deal about the cats having nine lives, and the king has is, is on their ninth life. And so a couple notes I have on this is, so while we're going through the sequence, Chisei is also following the sequence. And I have some funny notes, is kind of saw this whole plot coming i could kind of read what was going on like pretty early on mm-hmm. and then i and then it like cut chise's face chisa kind of sees this coming <laughs> <laughs> well so in episode five she eventually does find the corrupted spirit and she enters uh the the woman's memories and that's how she's kind of viewing this i guess i didn't after a while i was like you know what i bet i know where this is going this would be a real bummer if this is where this is going but i bet i know yeah, we knew. And guess we what? Saw it, coming. it was a real bummer. <laughs> it was a real bummer. Um so I it's so so funny the the note I have immediately after that is uh desperation drives man to animal cruelty. News at eleven. <laughs> <laughs> well, I felt bad for like most of these characters. It's like, wow, this really oh, yeah. sucks. This that guy just drove an insane. That was yeah. bonkers. Uh it also makes you really hate that sorcerer because he's that asshole that sorcerer and that asshole that we keep talking about is this is basically the the antagonist of this se- uh, season so or of this season do we get his name at this point or not we yet? do we do get his name he gets really pissy about it remind me his oh that's right because if anybody calls him by his name he gets like super upset he gets super upset oh by the way did you know his name is actually a biblical reference uh i did is this the guy who was like cursed to live forever and was like walking yes. around it's like boy it i is- wish i could die it is called the Wandering Jew, and it is um, a man who walked by Jesus as he was being crucified and taunted him, mm-hmm. and then was forever cursed to walk the earth 
un- unable to die. That'll learn you. That'll teach you. So uh, we don't we don't find that out in this uh, this episode. I don't think. That's I, I think true. That, I think he's just that guy because what we do find out about is we meet two of the other I guess supporting or kind of rival characters. There's there's the one sorcerer whose name I forget because I'm gonna forget a lot of these names. Uh, we meet him, Renfred. Renfred. We meet yes. Renfred and his apprentice as well. His apprentice slash bodyguard. Her name is Alice, and she's not the best bodyguard. No, Alice is not a great bodyguard. Alice is an interesting, like, kind of history and backstory. Alice is not a great bodyguard. No, it's not fantastic, I think. In season two, I believe you get Alice's backstory later. Oh, okay. That's good to know. And it, it's interesting, but yeah, not, not the best of bodyguards. In fact, <laughs> slight spoiler, Zach, her starting to be, to, to work for Renfred starts with, Alice, you're not that great a bodyguard. But I, I like these. I liked these two. I thought they were really interesting. Uh, again, this this one kind of hit the boy. This is a bummer. Boy, this is nostalgic. Somewhat hopeful vibe. Well, here's the thing. Series. Here's here's a few things. So we were talking to the cat king, mm-hmm. um, or cat queen. I don't know what you want to call her. And she's she, this is in episode four. She's like Chise, love the world, peace. Like man, just out of nowhere. World. And this remember remember how you were talking about how Made in the Abyss characters were just like monologue about philosophy and shit Mm -hmm. it happens in this show oh god this this show (laughs) this show might do it more than made in abyss made in abyss usually had like one particular thing that it was monologuing about the the idea of adventure and longing to know this one's like what if we philosophize and monologue about anything yeah it there's there's so much just like people just like wistfully look away and like start talking about random crap and you're just like all right <laughs> cool like the problem is i i feel like if i were in chisei's position and people started doing this you'd kind of like <laughs> nod along for the first bits and like okay mm-hmm. you either need to shut up and tell me what's happening or not because i'm really confused i know they like wax poetic instead of explaining things and i'm always like could you just tell me what's going on? Like, yeah. anything to do with Ainsworth. Everybody's just like, oh, Ainsworth didn't tell you? And then they wouldn't tell her. And I'd be like, what the fuck? Oh, they'll find out later. It's like, why can't they? Or just fucking tell, tell me. me. I did like this one. I, I also did like this one because this is the first, uh, It's especially in episode five, it's the first time we see uh, Chise really do something as a mage. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, I'd say uh, Chise gets to be the hero. Woo. She literally gets in a... Final Fantasy style white mage robe. I don't know if she you remember does. that. I do remember that. You know, oh, actually, uh, so so here's another thing. That whole get up and the whole thing she was doing mm-hmm. gave me very strong Celtic Druidic vibes, and I was very happy for it. Wow, I wonder if the series pulls from Celtic or Druid, you know, folklore. <laughs> okay, okay, I get it. <laughs> so it, it's the very. It's basically it's the first time we get to see her doing something as a mage, and I thought it was really neat. I thought it was. I don't know. I liked the way they did magic of kind of this, like, I really liked the way they visualized her communing with the spirits. I liked the kind of inner turmoil she had of herself where the Cat King's like, look, I'm going to give my life to free these two souls and that'll just, but that'll like destroy them or something like that. And she's like, no, I want to save them. I want to reunite them and uses the the fairies to kind of push the the corruption away and reunites the two souls. Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes with that thing and the... they get the most beautiful send-off by the way they do it's like damn the budget is back in episode five <laughs> it's returned but but i i like that because it 
there's a part of Chise's character that I like of the she's kind of been battered and beaten in her life, but she still wants mm-hmm. to, if she can, do good by the people that she's right. meeting. And this is kind of one of the, the one of the big, really first ones of her doing that effort to help somebody. Yeah, even the fact that she doesn't, she sort of like she forgets she's depressed so she like forgets that she's doing this but yeah, yeah. and so i don't know one uh, yeah no no it's it's super cool a uh, small thing i do want to say cat king is adorable it's, cat uh, king it's is very fluffy a, it's a very fluffy cat i Long i wanted rain. to i wanted to pet that cat <laughs> <laughs> yeah she was fantastic yeah. uh oh i also one last thing and before we move on to episode six mm-hmm I believe this is the first episode when we meet Renfred, where this is where, up to this point, Chise and Elias have kind of had a uh, pretty good relationship, where Chise is like, oh, thanks, Elias, for, you know, like, getting me and taking me. I'm sure you did this all out of the kindness of your heart. And Renfred's like, nah, he did this because you're a slave baggy and he wants to use your, like, crazy magic potential. And this is one of the first points where it kind of turns these characters away from each other at least that's how i'm remembering the episode wait which what who who does it turn away so up until this point chise has kind of had this thing of of elias that elias has bought her and taken her under his wing and basically said you're going to be my wife out of the goodness of his heart that it's like purely altruistic but renfred at one point says he's not just doing this out of the goodness of his heart. He's doing it because you have this crazy amount of magic that he wants to be able to use. Right. Right. Basically right, right. it's, it's a matter of, he's saying Renfred like saying he's using you don't trust him. Yeah. And that, that's essentially it where Renfred's saying like, he may be your apprentice and maybe trying to make you his wife, but he kind of in the end is try, just trying to use you. Mm. And I do think that's, this is, that's a pretty big point in this series because that definitely does yeah. change the dynamic. Those two characters have had, and it kind of does cause some tension later. Yeah. Hey, in Renfred's defense, he's still looking out for Chise's best interest. Thanks, Renfred. <laughs> Literally everyone is looking out for Chise's best interest. Everyone other than Ainsworth and that asshole. Okay. Shall we move on to episode six? The Fairy Queen. Uh, Yeah, this is actually a fairly well self-contained episode with tons wait a minute, and wait tons a minute. of references. That's, that's not an idiom or anything. That's just a, that's just a title. Yeah, it's just the title. I think she just grabbed it from fucking Shakespeare and said, I'm done. So what happens in this one, Zach? Chise used a lot of magic and knocked herself out for like two weeks. And so she's still sleeping. And so Ainsworth takes her to a tree and lays her down there because of magic reasons. And uh, then Simon meets up with him. I forget why Simon's there. I believe he's delivering medicine or he's picking up medicine. Yeah, it's something like that. Oh, it, it it's his cough, isn't it? Simon has this really bad cough, like, throughout the series. Like, he gets his medicine from Elias. Oh, okay. By the way, they also don't... Nobody trusts Simon all that much. He gets well, a bad... He gets a bad rap I, I for being a very, one, very nice person. I think in this one, because in this series, it's kind, of, it, it's kind of going with the all spirits are real kind of deal. And I believe right. they make a quip about, like, your god doesn't really seem to like us, so we really don't kind of like you kind of yeah. deal. Whereas Simon's very, like hey, I'm just here to help kind of deal. But I was like, mm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So the episode is, is called The Fairy Queen. And guess who shows up? It's Titania. Uh, or Titania. Sorry. I'm, mm-hmm. I always say that name incorrectly. I literally, uh, I, you know, it's funny. Is I, I, uh, I'm in a Pokemon Tabletop United uh, role-playing game group. Mm-hmm. I have a Gardevoir as my main, my starter Pokemon. It, I mean, Titania. it started as a Ralt. It's a, it's a Gardevoir now. 
Um, and her name is T- uh, Titania, and I still can't say her fucking name. Like, I have to say it all the time, and I still mess it up. Amazing. Anyways, sorry, that was just a small little side note. So, like, Titania shows up, and then Simon's like, oh, well, glad to meet you. And then she's just like, oh, you're Catholic. Oh, you're a Catholic priest? Well, see you. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're literally in the fairy world at that point, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, no, they're not. She, Titania came I'm... to visit them in the like regular world. Oh, I got you. Then just like kicked Simon away. But she was like, oh, "Poor Simon." But you, you don't deserve to be in my presence. I'm going to teleport you somewhere random in the forest, and you're going to get lost for two hours. <laughs> and I was like, "What?" Like everyone's an asshole to Simon. Yeah. Because the other thing, like, because they all recognize he's like actually idealistic. Anyways, uh, by the way, he also she also is like being heralded by a spriggan that I thought was a troll for a bit. And I was like, wait, isn't that? Yeah, isn't that I Norse? didn't know what the hell that was for a bit. Like, I thought it was what a, is that? I so it looks a hell of a lot like a uh, Norse troll, mm-hmm. it, like little rock dudes who who are good um, with stuff, who are good with making like little stone structures. Uh, but no, I, I want to point something out because uh, this is just something I noticed when Titania is being, you know, shown like announced or introduced when they herald her out, boy, they make an awfully big deal about oh my god, it's Titania from every shot from everywhere. They make look, so many look how big a deal we're making about this. Look how so, giant her tits are. Okay, I'm glad we. I'm glad somebody <laughs> brought that up. Those things. Those things were fucking preposterous. They were to preposterous. It fits Titania. Just and then and then they introduce King Oberon. Who's they like, do. That's, that's who's not a at satyr? all who I was. He's literally was just not a at satyr. all what I was expecting Oberon to look like. But all right then. I mean, I got used to uh, Oberon from Shimagami Tensei. Yeah, yeah. So we're kind of expecting like, that. Well, in SMT, Oberon is the, um, he kind of looks like it's just a knight or a warrior. Not in a, like, suit mail, but he almost, he has kind of like he a looks regal like a garb on him. He has a very yeah. regal set, yeah. And Titania, too, is kind of the same deal. So I guess I'm too used to those interpretations, where it's like, what the, what the hell am I looking at? To be totally to be totally fair, Titania um, in this series looks incredibly regal. Mm-hmm. She, she's got the dress down. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's got the dress down, she's wearing, like, a wreath, mm-hmm. um, which is like a very ancient way of saying that you're a leader but yeah so oberon looks like a satyr he, he looks like a greek satyr and i was just like all right i didn't know satyrs were a thing in celtic mythology i guess we brought that one in from greece <laughs> just imported that but, uh, not a not a whole lot happens in this one we get some kind of character building well, moments we do uh, get some character building moments uh we get lots of references mm. uh she references tyr and the nog which is the, which is her land land of uh, I literally wrote Tan- Land of the Tuatha de Danann, which is, tu- Tuatha de Danann is is basically the like the fairy gods essentially. It's it's kind of a, like the gods of Celtic folklore. I'm kind of not saying that entirely properly, right? But but that's the idea. Um, and yeah, they just sort of show up. I loved both of them. Both the the fairy queen and king. Yes, yeah, I, I liked when they were on screen together. It was pretty nice. Oberon Oberon and Titania have an excellent dynamic. This friggin' being, like, the straight man to their shenaniganry. Like, because is not even that much shenaniganry, but the friggin's got, like, absolutely zero tolerance for anything. Mm-hmm. Doesn't <laughs> he, like, like, hit Oberon? Like, at one point, like, knock that off. Like, he does. He like, hits Oberon. Dude. Yeah, but anyways, I, I loved Oberon. Oberon was fantastic. He grew on me very quickly. The next two-parter, episode seven, Talk of the Devil, and he is sure to appear. And episode eight, Let Sleeping Dogs Lie. This is essentially boiled down into Chise gets a dog. <laughs> yeah, she's 
Yeah, Chise gets a dog, and we get to meet uh, his name, this uh, little asshole's name, uh, Cartophilus. Wow, what an Cartophilus. Phyllis? Yeah, and I believe he's like one, he is one of, if not the main antagonist for the series, but at the very least this season. Yes, he is definitely an antagonist. And this season of Ancient Magus Pride doesn't really, and again, this is only up to episode 12, uh, doesn't really have a antagonist outside of these two episodes with Cartophilus. Everything else is kind of just, look, they're living together. They're kind of learning stuff. Uh, at some point, that does become more apparent in the second season. But for this season, not not too much. Uh, we also learned that, uh, so basically, the episode boils down to uh, Cartophilus is making chimeras mm-hmm. using the bodies of the dead. Gross. He's basically the one who's pulling Renfred and Alice along. We learned that like a woman like a young girl died tragically mm-hmm. and her dog died at her grave which is a tragic story that we've heard before that that comes up in real life but he became a church grim which mm-hmm. is another actual thing church grims are actual things he's he's basically a, a black dog kind of deal. yeah he's yeah they call him black dog uh, like a black dog but he's basically like a guardian of the church graveyard uh-huh. uh and that's sort of his purpose and so that and that is basically what a church grim is. It it and they use the term and they call it black dog as well. It is all perfectly accurate. Yeah. What is, what is his name again? The the name he gets Ruth. There we go. He gets Ruth. Yeah. So he doesn't. His his name was like Ulysses. It's like before. isn't that Julius or Urius no, or something like that? It's like Ulysses. Ulysses. Or, or like yeah. Ulysses. It is like U L Y I S S. But we don't care. We're just going to call him Ruth because that yeah, is his name. Yeah, we're going to call him Ruth. It's way easier. Uh, we also learned we also learned that people call Elias Ainsworth Pilum Murialis. Does that mean much of anything? It seems to like so. It does have a meaning, and I'll get to it. But it seems to piss him off. Well, if I had to guess, I would guess that it like Elias has like a uh, kind of a. A name he has given himself and a in a, a true name kind of deal or a fairy name. And right. that name is most likely a name that he has in the world of fairies where they have kind of shunned him. Mm-hmm. And when he hears that, it's like, damn you. It's kind of like with Cartophilius. Whenever somebody calls him that, he goes, don't call me that. No, not that guy. Wait, she says something seven? Huh? Sorry. I, I just had a... Like, one of my notes for episode 7 was, why is Angelica the only responsible person here? I guess I was just thinking about Angelica and how she's the only responsible person in this show. <laughs> so, oh, so, uh, uh, Pilum Murialis. Mm-hmm. I looked it up. It, the only thing I could find is, it is a reference to a particular kind of Roman sh- uh, spear. Like, the Romans, when they would build, like, an encampment or a fortress... Mm-hmm. They would start off by call, by creating the Pilum Murialis, which is called the Spear Wall or the Wall of Spears. And basically they had had these like stakes mm-hmm. that look like spears that sort of like had like the top and bottom part, well, like really thick spears. Uh, and that they would makes plant sense. them next to each other in a line. And mm-hmm. that would become the sort of like initial fortification for, for an well, encampment or a Well, think about this, Zach. Isn't that thing kind of like a Wall of Thorns? Oh, clever placement. Yes. Mm. Excellent. Oh, yes. yes the yes, series yes, is so yes. so highbrow. I, I was wondering why it was like referenced that way. I was just like, why did they call him Pilo Morales? Because I looked it up and I was just like, he doesn't entirely fit it. And I kind of caught the thorns like spear thing, but mm-hmm. it was just kind of weird. I, was uh, like, I have mm-hmm. a feeling it is, it is a real, it is a 
kind of a real name or a dead name kind of deal. And the name Elias has given himself. He just doesn't want to be called that. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that comes back later, I don't particularly Oh, right. Know. Here's another note I have about episode seven. So some people in the townsfolk, just randos who I have no idea what magic is, because they're like looking at a corpse that had recently died. Uh, and there was a bunch of claw marks on it. And they were like, oh, I haven't seen any wild dogs around. So, and I was just like, wild dog? It's wolves, y'all. It's wolves. Well, okay. My thing is, they're looking at the body, and the body is clear that they're talking about these giant gashes in the body. It's mm-hmm. like, what dog is doing this? That's why like, I said the, wolves. <laughs> okay. My point, what wolf is doing this? Wolves are, you know, you'd get like claw and bite marks, but the way they were talking about the body, it's like, this thing is slashed to ribbons. It's like. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I know. I, it is, it is, it is weird and. I just thought it was weird that they thought wild dogs would kill somebody like that. And they're just like, you know, wolves still live in England, right? Yeah. Let's see. What what do I remember of these two episodes? One thing that kind of that I do remember of these two is that I was always I was kind of confused a bit on uh, Ruth's kind of backstory, because when they were going through Mm -hmm. his backstory, it he appears as a human with his sister, Isabella. Right, and then it, he's and that's it, not he always that's not appears, actually the Right, right, and I'm getting that. I'm just saying how the series per, like showed this. It, it was always as a human, and they say like, "Oh, he's awoken to him being a black dog or a grim." And I was really confused. I was kind of confused for a bit. If like, so wait, was he a person that became this? No, uh, he was and just I a guess dog. the way they they kind of did this was he was a dog, and then in the way that dogs kind of view their humans as like just another dog, he kind of viewed himself as a person. So when his his sister died. He's like, oh, my human died. And now I'm just, I'm so sad. I'm going to hang out in these graveyards. Yeah, he was like, oh, no, my sister died. And he died. Yeah. And, you know, he just stayed in the graveyard till he died. Which, again, is a thing dogs do sometimes. I guess the thing that got me was, they may have, they must have just really fooled me on the whole thing. Because I was like, wait, so he's a, yeah, hu- no, he's, he's I... a human that became a dog? Or is he a dog that became a human that forgot he was a dog? And it's like, no, he was always a spirit who kind of bonded with a person. I think I don't think he was always a spirit. I think he was an actual dog. You think he was an actual dog that. that became a spirit? That, that became morning? the spirit dog. That seems appropriate. And that that's that's probably also like mostly exactly what happened. I'm just saying. I'm when I remember watching these two, I kind of got confused and I must have missed a line somewhere that somebody said because I was like, "Is this no, this guy an animal? No, 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 no. Like, what's happening?" I, I think I think the confusion is purposeful. Like, because I also got confused with it. I think. You as the audience were supposed to be a little confused as to what exactly Ruth is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, someone... And, and that's why you get this, like, really poignant thing at towards the end where... Uh, like, they, towards the end do... of episode 8, somebody just, like, slaps him on the head and says, like, fucking remember, dude. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, I was a dog, and then I died. And then I came back and was sad. I was a sad dog. Like, I was wow, a that, sad is a dog. Sad, that is yeah. a sad dog. So what a sad dog. <laughs> by the way see another thing i want to mention is that we're going into the background his i forget what her name is basically ruth's uh companion he calls isabel? her sister isabel thank you isabel has red hair <gasps> uh-huh. and she gets chat on for having red hair wow and i was like so ugly and gross wow i was like i was like holy shit they're getting into irish racism holy fuck <laughs> <laughs> like it's like, why do you have like, ugly red hair? It's like, you know, Chisa has red red hair. You, yeah, which is... Fun about that? It's like, no, not right now. We have other things to make fun of her about. Yeah, well, she probably looks hilariously Japanese. So I don't even think modern English people, even the ones that hate the Irish, are going to be thinking like, mm. oh, yeah, that, that person. 
one thing I was also going to bring out is if the episode's goal was to make me hate Cardophilius, it did a good job. I really don't oh, like him. Oh, yeah. Much. He was a jackass. Because That's why I he, called him asshole. So his whole thing, and as Zach already said, is he is immortal and is he is looking for a way to die but can't. And yep. his thing was like, what if I make a bunch of chimeras? Maybe they can help. So you find out, like, he took Renfred's arm. He forgot He's why been... he was making chimeras. He literally says it. Yeah, he doesn't know why he's doing it, but I think it is pointed out that he knows he's just he's just trying to die, kind of deal. Yep. He so he makes he like cuts somebody's arm off and makes a chimera of that. He starts digging up graves, makes chimeras of that. Kills Ella, Isabel, makes a chimera of that. It's like, well, no, Isabel died of natural causes. She got slapped in the face by a cart. Did she? I thought I thought Cardiphilus killed her. No, no. At, le- at the very least, she, dug up her grave and she got like, ran over. She got ran over by a cart like hundreds of years ago. Well, sucks to be her. Now, yep. But I do know I'm correct on that part, that he, like, is he doesn't He dug up to... a fucking grave and turned her into a chimera. And then Ruth has that moment of, boy, that sucks. Yep. One other big thing that happens in this one, and I want to bring it up because it leads directly into the next episode. Well, can is... I bring up the first thing? Is that it's basically, like, we have fight scenes, and then you get a last-minute save, and I thought, I thought Titania had saved them. But no, it turns out it was just a Will-O-Wisp. Thanks, Will-O-Wisp. You're the best. <laughs> He's the, he was great. I loved that Will-O-Wisp. <laughs> oh, well, speaking, about, speaking about fight scenes, one of the things we have in this episode is probably one of, if not the only big fight scene in, oh, yeah. in this season. Because uh, we Cardophilius is attacking uh, Elias and she says, like, I'll have none of this and uses magic to summon a bunch of I guess they're called tarantula hawks, and it's like, ew, gross. Right, by the way, she's I've, about to, like, walk by the into way, the spider. I have seen one of those in person. Those oh. things are disgusting. They're huge. Oh, I hate it. Uh, but so she summons a bunch of magic, and in her fight with Cardophilius, gets injured by by him. And then Elias goes, like, oh. crazy berserker mode and turns into this giant monster. Yes, he does. And that leads us directly into episode nine. Oh, by the way, uh-huh. how the fuck does Chise getting stabbed that long? What do you mean? She, how does she got stabbed? And obviously there was a, it wasn't like a poison scenario. She she wasn't going she wasn't going Rico. It wasn't like a full Rico scenario. Oh god, but, I don't know if I could have handled another. One of those. I don't think anybody could have handled that. Um, but like she she genuinely got stabbed. How? Like, and I know it wasn't getting stabbed in a vital organ, but, like, she stood up for a damn long time after getting stabbed. Hey, maybe maybe getting run through with a, a spike isn't nearly as bad as we think it is. I don't know about that. She must have been running on fucking adrenaline for, like, 30 minutes. So, um, let's see. Next episode is episode 9. This one starts with Elias still being all crazy. Ooh, I'm a big scurry monster. There's really not a whole lot. Well, this one doesn't have much going on, uh, but there is uh, a bunch Wait, of stuff. Basically, she goes shopping. Yeah, well, I'm getting to that. Basically, this episode is Chise yeah. is kind of leaving Elias alone while he's recovering, and he and so Chise goes out and out in the town to buy stuff for him to kind of make him feel better, and runs into a. Linan Sheed? Uh, Linan Sidhe. I, 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 that's the way it's spelled. It's yeah, probably all right, said differently. But a yes. crazy, uh, basically a fairy vampire kind of deal. It's, it's, they say fairy vampire, 
that's not quite true. They take the blood of the person and they give them the ability to create art. Like, it's an exchange sort of deal. It's not so much like a I'm going to suck oh. your blood kind of deal. Well then. Also, this lady is super scantily clad. Like, I was talking about tits before, but goddamn. That's one thing I was going to bring up. Boy, this series, uh, most of the characters are dressed very modestly. Not the fairies. Fairies are like, yo, whatever. Fairies don't wear clothes. Yo, whatever. We wear whatever. Uh, but this one introduces the Le- Leanne Cide, I think you said. Uh, the fairy and the fairy and the person that she is watching over joel and we kind of learned about their backstory a bit yeah and then kind of about it this is more of a like a small well character no moment there's episode. there is there, it is a character moment thing um they, they go like looking for Ainsworth or something somewhere in this episode that's the reason why they run across this guy like the well, first no, no, time she was just she, she was just out in the town wasn't she and, and saw the fairy and then when she comes home, uh, Ainsworth is missing and she finds him in the forest. Right. So Silver. Oh, right. We've got to talk about Silver, the, the landlady. The handmaid or the something hand... like that. She's, she's the landlady. Ainsworth literally mm-hmm. describes her as the landlady. Um, who's basically just taking care of things all the time. I don't know why. But she doesn't talk. Uh, you find out later in season two oh, okay. what, what she is. Oh, okay, cool. Do you uh, want to know what she is? is? Ruth. Uh, no. I, I might already know, but don't tell me. Uh, okay. They meet Angelica. So they run across Angelica, and Angelica drops some truth bombs. Damn. She does. She drops some truth bombs. And I'm like, hot shit? Angelica coming in with the excellent life advice. Even more advice. And then mm. she just gets pissed off and hits a wall. And then she immediately goes, I didn't mean that emotional outburst. And my, my, in my heart of hearts, all I could think was, yes, you damn well did. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and Angelica backs off, and that might that's probably the best call. But like honestly, from my perspective, I would, like I would have said like, yes, you damn well did, and it's good that you did. Mm-hmm. Anger is on the road to recovery. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Angelica. These truth bombs. Seriously, Angelica's dropping some truth bombs. Let's see. But basically, she was like because Angelica understands the the like insane power disparity between Elias and Chise. Mm-hmm. So she's like, "Hey, you need to be able to work. You, you need to be able to be dependent. You need to be able to handle yourself, and you need to not be so reliant on Elias and so attached to him. You need to yeah. be able to, you know, think on your own. You basically you need to be your own person. You, you know, it's fine mm-hmm. to like somebody, but you kind of need to be your own person, kind of yeah. deal. And yeah, and so it causes her problems because she realizes boy i don't really know if i've done much on my and own. then and then like and so the transition point between this advice from angelica to the lean and sit is she say enters elise's room at night and then just stays there all night mm-hmm. and falls asleep there which is a little because like dies. he's still in monster form and he nearly eats her and she just is yeah. sleeping that was pretty creepy. I'm not going to lie. It was super creepy. And I was like, Chise, what the fuck are you doing? On the flip side, they tried to kill the tension by having Silver stand outside the door with a fucking, like, I forget what she's holding, but she's holding, like, a blunt implement in her hands. It's like, you touch that girl, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. You can see her, like, slapping it into her hand and pulling it back out again. And you can see Ruth looking at her with the most concerned expression I've ever seen a dog put on its face. <laughs> it's <laughs> going like oh no um i will say i i like this one because this is another one of those we kind of have a bunch of 
what I guess was story or plot episodes, but this one was kind of a nice what we've called like cool down episodes again. It was kind of an offshoot story. Cool down, like there were some intense moments in the middle. Really, I, I don't know. I, don't I thought he was going to eat her. Well, you knew that she that he wasn't because wasn't. there's fucking like three more on. episodes. It's like, whoa, ancient Magus Bide actually dies, and the rest of it is ancient Magus Bachelor. I do agree with you. Um, this is a cool down. And by the way, the name of the episode is None So Death as Those Who Will Not Hear. Which is pretty damn good for episode names. But I do have to say, in terms of like it being a cool down episode, no one fucking died. Yeah, I guess what I mean is the previous episodes were like way more intense than the series mm-hmm. usually gets. And this is either this is more just kind of a turn to norm kind of deal. Even though there are some very there are some moments in there. It, it kind of just kind of goes back to that melancholy, nostalgic vibe that it sometimes has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Well, not sometimes, um, usually has. And the and the other thing is none of those none so deaf as those who will not hear um, is a really good because the whole episode is Chise learning about what love means. Mm-hmm. They don't get terribly explicit with it, but that's kind of what the episode's about. And her just being like not getting mm-hmm. it. <laughs> well, the thing is, and it's kind of what you said about you know being able to be not just be with somebody, but to be your own person. And it mm-hmm. shows it shows kind of the extreme of being dependent on that with the uh, Leanne, Leanne Shide, uh, the fairy and, mm-hmm. and Joel, where she literally cannot leave him kind of deal. Right. And is completely defined by her being there with him. And Angelica saying, you know, if you're going to be in love with somebody, you know, it's kind of like you have to be equals. You can't just be, you can't just be tied to somebody like, like they are kind of deal. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's what I mean. It's the whole lesson because Lena and Sidhe, the Lena Sidhe adamantly refuses to say that she's in love with this dude, which seems really weird. Well, it's kind of implied like, well, if I, you know, I'm not supposed to like them because they're just supposed to die, whatever. Right, and exactly. Then, but if if I love them, I'm going to be sad. Right. Sad. Shall we move on to the next episode? Yes. Episode 10. Episode 10 called We Live and Learn. Otherwise, I call it Actual Wolves because they were actual wolves at the beginning of the episode. Were there? Yes, there were. They were chasing down Ainsworth. Oh, that's right. So let me ask you this question. Back. 10, 11, and 12 are all, again, kind of linked to each other. Yeah, we should probably do them all at the same time. This is this is basically the Chise gets a wand arc. So episode 10 is We Live and Learn. Episode 11 is Love, uh, Lovers Ever Run Before the Clock. And episode 12, Better to Ask the Way Than to than Go Astray. And as Zach said, this is bas- this is the episode of we go back to the Valley of Dragons. Chise crafts her wand and finally learns Elias's backstory and about her own feelings for him. That's it's going to be a lot to digest. We're probably going to be here a while. Yeah, we're going to be in this this three episode mire for quite some time. I found it interesting. Um, this the whole sequence was nice. She got to reunite with Nevin, which is cool. We got a lot of Lindell, and I love Lindell. He's great. Mm. If this show was just Lindell and Angelica doing <laughs> shit together, I'd be very happy. I, I, you know what? When Lindell first got in, introduced, I wasn't too hot on him because he, he's kind of like, wow, that guy's kind of weird. He's just kind of around. But through these three episodes, like, you know what? Lindell is pretty fun. Right. I, I remember to, to, to go back real quick. Ne- when Chise meets up with Nevin, I remember really liking that sequence. And I remember thinking like, damn, this is some philosophical crap again. But for the life of me, I cannot remember the entire like point of the monologue, and it was more like, oh, it was it was basically a, she said you're depressed. Figure like 
let me help you through this that that's like at the at the end of episode like in episode 12 like towards the end of episode 12 she gets her wand and like enters the wand and has an extended conversation with the ghost of nevin essentially oh oh that's right because he's basically um, like i i had to reread it but it was basically mm-hmm. the i'm glad you didn't die because then i wouldn't have met you if you had died and think of all the people you wouldn't have helped had you died and it's like nevin you're really stuck on this whole i'm glad you're not dead bit because this is like the second kind of conversation he's had with chisei about this right and so like she so she actually talks about like it's a kind of interesting how they started it is that nevin is just like hey just talk as if i'm not here (laughs) um she just says talk openly talk to yourself like like i don't know what you're thinking you need to say it Mm -hmm. Um, and i found that to be cool but she starts talking about her concerns but also like how she doesn't want to care about about Ainsworth. Or sort of mm-hmm. like she she doesn't want to care that she get thrown out in the street, but she doesn't want to, and all this other stuff. And it's and she seems like by the way she's talking, she seems incredibly concerned that he's just going to kick her out. Well, and then yeah, that, literally... that's exactly it. Where she she doesn't want to she doesn't want to admit to herself that she wants to be there because if she does, if he eventually ever does kick her out, then she'll just have that kind of longing to go back, and she'll be sad all over again. It's kind of right. that. Listen, I'm finally fine where I'm in a good place. I don't want to be hurt again kind of deal. Right. And so so Nevin literally is just like, why is this even a fucking concern? Has he ever shown any indication that he's going to kick you out? And she's just like, uh, no. And he's like, it's not like, fucking yeah. worrying about it. <laughs> yeah. I also like, I, I just want to point out that it's a really good conversation. It's one of the scenes I remember most of like the last three parts because it is mm-hmm. kind of the... It's almost like the kind of the capstone little conversation, and we'll go back to the rest of these three in a minute. But it's kind of like that nice little cap of like, look, this is where you belong kind of deal. Don't worry about it. But what got me is when Nevin just like boldfacedly says, you know, I'm really glad your mom didn't kill you. It was like, oh, right. Way to kill the tone series. Dude fucking murdered the tone, and then he saved it. Yeah, like I, I remember like cracking up when he, when Nevin's just sitting there like, you know, I'm glad your mom didn't kill you. I was like, you know what? <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Never mind, I'm out. Fuck Nevin? <laughs> and, and then, I know, but like, he continues. He goes to explain himself. And well, yeah, yeah. And th- that's the whole thing of like, if if I'm glad she didn't kill you. Because if he killed you, you wouldn't be here. And you wouldn't have helped all these people. It was just one of those moments of like, I don't know why this is so funny, but it is. And and to be honest, like, here's here's something. This is, again, Nevin is a better mentor to Chisei than Ainsworth is. Nevin straight up tells her, and it's probably the first time someone told her this, is be proud of yourself. Be proud of your accomplishments. You have accomplished a lot. Yeah. Nevin's great. Yeah, I he's think fantastic. we should have Nevin in more episodes. Yeah. Bring him back. What is this show? Let me just list this. This show could be Chise, Nevin, Angelica, and like fucking Lindell, and I'd be <laughs> so happy. So speaking of Elias, these three sets of episodes is part in no small part Elias's backstory. Of how oh, right. yes. he he was found by Lindell out in the storm because he was just a like some creature that was walking around. Lindell was a traveling mage, and yeah. how Lindell kind of took him as his as Lindell's apprentice and their kind of journey together before they kind of ended up the way they are now. Mm-hmm. So so can we kind of pause for a moment and what what Lindell does? Lindell before he was caretaker of the dragons just followed reindeer around. For apparently no reason. Listen, I don't ask a lot about Lindell. He's kind of, he can do his own things if he so pleases. 
Well, I got. I thought his his deal was that he would go from like village to village and help people. Wasn't that his, I, he his does kind of shtick? No, he is a healer. That's true. But he also like he, when he talks about what he does in an official capacity, he just says he follows the reindeer. I always got that as a sense of like the reindeer are guiding him to where he needs to go. But yes, right. if I saw that on a business card, that would raise some concerns. <laughs> I would be like, excuse me? Um, sir, what do so, you do for your living? I follow reindeer. What? Mm. Excuse me, sir? Uh, the other thing about this episode is that we meet Rehab, or Rahab, um, which, if you weren't aware, is a reference to the Bible. Oh. Yeah. They've never so, referenced the Bible before. Yeah. Rahab was, according to the book of Joshua, a woman who lived in Jericho and in who lived in Jericho in the promised land and assisted the Israelites in capturing the city by betraying her people. Wow. Yep. Sick burn, Rahab. Yep. And now she's just a wizard scientist, I guess. How'd she get that lab coat, by the way? Let me let me check something. I'm trying to remember Rahab's design. Uh sorry for the tippy tapping. She's dark skinned, is a wizard, and is clearly a scientist looking person she looks ancient weird. magus bride oh yeah that's her how did she get a lab coat I, I like that that's your concern here i mean i get it she's a wizard she can do whatever she wants with magic but just like how'd she get a lab coat because like the flashback takes you to the magic time fucking... man. no but the magic. flashback takes you to like way back when when they didn't well they might have had lab coats at that time but i'm not sure if they did time travel man <laughs> So, in our flashbacks, where we are told, and the reason we're having this flashback is because Chise confides to to Lindell that he, she's kind of worried about Elias, that he, that she just doesn't know much about him, and that he might be kind of dangerous. And Lindell is talking about basically how how Elias is kind of this unknown force and is kind of dangerous. Right. Uh, we we've kind of talked about this out of order where. Mm-hmm. you you kind of learn about elias's backstory and it's like and you kind of go oh i don't know should she stay with him and then we talk to nevin and nevin's like you should probably just stick with him if you want to like you you'll make this work if you want right so here's i have some i have some funny notes from these episodes one is this show has a habit of ending on weird cliffhangers yes <laughs> just like isn't the epi- what isn't one of the episodes to i think it's the end of episode 10 is literally a shot of Chise in a sleeping bag sitting up going, eh? End episode. Yeah. It's just like, excuse me? <laughs> what? Um, Doesn't she almost drown in, the, in these three episodes again as well? Uh, yeah, at some point she falls in the water again. Oh, oh, I remember because Lindell uses his singing magic to oh, right, he does. do something to the water. Or maybe it's Chise's magic. Oh, right. Here's here what it is. And she kind of she's able to conduct the water so she can speak directly with Elias. <laughs> so... There's a there's and a sequence. Falls in and drowns. There's a, there's a sequence in one of these episodes where uh, Lindell is singing and it is absolutely gorgeous. Like the music is fantastic, but I literally wrote a note that said, "Good music doesn't make up for bad animation." Well, shut up. I don't <laughs> remember like... the animation that's happening, but I don't remember it being exactly. that spectacular. I remember watching the animation. It's just like a bunch of like particle effects moving around or stuff like that. Yeah, it was it was nothing exciting, nothing right home about. And I was just like, uh, the second guys. one he does it in episode twelve is a lot better because it's at night and there's stuff going on and there's the flowers and the water and it's like this is it, true. This is nice. That first time, not so much. Not so much. Oh right, and here's another one. Why can't she say be an apprentice to Lindell? He's solid. Hmm. So one thing we haven't mentioned about these three episodes is that we kind of keep cutting back and forth between 
what's happening in the Dragon Valley and what's happening at back at home. We don't get a whole lot of cuts back home. It's basically just we don't. I, I actually sad. argue that we do like, but all of them are kind of the same message of Elias kind of realizes how cold the house has become now that she says not there and it kind of goes with goes kind of works in with she says like should i be here or not kind of deal right like, and yeah, so it shows that she has a place in that home should, probably should be girl you could probably go back oh right i also remember uh lindell's familiar as a selkie which i found adorable mm-hmm. so oh yeah and they keep talking about how magic is dying and i keep thinking where's it going i i think the implication was is that like you know the modern world's kind of encroaching on nature kind of deal and they, they've been saying yeah. like magic is the power like the natural power of the world kind of deal that's true and so mankind sort of like taking more and more of the reins which i guess i gotta be honest i'm kind of getting tired of that plot line yeah, it I, I, I get it and i totally do yeah it, it always kind of just annoys me when it's always like the whole thing is like oh magic is dying in this world because of man it's like it would be interesting if the always way have to be end it in this series is with no one brings up environmentalism, but I have the feeling that just on its own creates a harmony between humanity and the earth. And I don't know why see, they don't see, know when everyone thinks I, like that's how you're supposed well, to end this. I would actually love that if there was like one of these magic series where it's like, oh, you know, magic is dying because people are abusing the planet. And it's like, well, yeah, but people are trying to change it. Can't you help them? And it's like, yeah, we should probably try to help them. Yeah, yeah we should yeah, try to be good yeah. that. Then again, a good part of this series is, you know, Chise is kind of an ambassador for humans saying look we're not that bad that we're, is true we're a little misguided but we're not that bad it's like you go chisa thanks that has been quite the theme i've gotten so far but this is pretty early in the show i guess what i mean is and the, the examples i use is remember every fairy eventually goes over to her side kind of deal right that's true she literally gets e- even though ball. they start with like fuck you human it's like but i'm chisa like okay that makes sense um all oh, right so here's another small note um this show overall, I mean, this is going to be an overall note as well, but this show really likes to snap out of really melancholic situations into slapstick just immediately. Oh, you noticed that too. You noticed how, there, how there was ever like a kind of a tender moment. It would go to the ch- weird chibi versions of the characters. Yeah, it would go to the weird chibi versions of the characters and then something slapstick would happen. And I'd be like, that was funny, but what? You don't want to let me linger on that? All right. We've been going at this for a while. Um, oh, last right, thing I'll get... say is... Oh, so, sorry, Lindell sings and the elves show up, and then Chise dances with the elves. And then she gets her wand and talks to Nevin. I don't know if there's anything else. Uh, well, I was going to say, I remember the last bit of episode 12 is a is a prolonged sequence of her using her staff to like basically turn into a phoenix and Holy fly home. Holy crap. And the amount of the amount of budget and like money that they were throwing at the screen in that bit was like, damn, you could have funded an entire episode with this budget. I know. I was, I was sitting there watching it going like, did we need to sit on her being a phoenix for this long? Yes, because I don't know if you noticed, the intro song was still playing. We had to use the whole thing. Right. Um, it makes it super funny because she literally like, there's literally a copy of the intro cinematic <laughs> of like the OP in the middle of the episode and i was just like yeah. oh that's 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 what this is <laughs> you needed you needed something for that scene any last thoughts before we wrap up and give overall thoughts um are you ready to move on to that well uh, well at the end uh so we'll just end on the high note that is the end of episode 12 um she knocks herself out for two days <laughs> by pulling pulling the phoenix maneuver and literally mm-hmm. like just swooping 
By the way, how did nobody fucking notice that flying fireball? Ah, whatever. Uh, she was really high up in the sky. Don't worry about it. Magic. Don't man. worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And so, <laughs> it's magic. I ain't got to explain. But she gets knocked out for two days, and and they read the thing in the description for the episode. But she basically is just like she wakes up and is like actually happy for the first time in probably many many years. She has a good dream about her mom mm-hmm. instead of a bad one, and she just sort of like wakes up, steps down, sides, just smiling. It's like, oh, this is a good episode. Oh my god, she says happy. Now, I need, I'm trying to get a reminder. Does episode 12 end with the flash forward into into the end of season 2? What? That's a no then. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. I think in literally the next episode, there's kind of a, there's a flash forward to what's going to happen in like part 2 of the season. And boy she better enjoy this while she can oh god damn it she going straight down the death hole uh no but things aren't looking great okay but overall ancient magus bride we we've talked a lot about it we have all all i'd say is i I really enjoyed watching this one i thought it was interesting the way they did the the kind of the folklore and magic and world i liked most of the characters there i was good i liked the music a lot um one complaint I always had about the presentation was the OP, like, not the music, the animation for the OP is the laziest thing in the world where it's just shots from the series. And it's like, yeah, I'm surprised so, you guys didn't spring for like a really hey, exp- expensive uh, opening intro. See, this is where I I get to feel real good about myself because I always skip them. Don't feel good about yourself. Feel bad because we could have had a cool intro and didn't. Could have. We could have, but we didn't. I remember watching it a couple of times. It wasn't fantastic. It was nothing to write home about. But uh, it 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 actually it does not hold a candle to the Spice and Wolf intros. And we're going to get into my comparisons to Spice and Wolf in a second. But I do also want to praise this show. Uh, it, does a, it does a fantastic job of bringing in Celtic mythology and just making it real. Just realizing mm-hmm. the magic of the world. Like, it is a show that that makes magic feel real despite the fact that it's fucking anime no i I agree with that i think that is one of its strong really strong suits oh yeah um the characters are uh i don't think they're they're particularly well written but they're all like you like all the characters yeah i was gonna say you enjoy them all the way i I can't say they're the strongest characters i've seen and even some of their motivations are kind of weak or a little off but Mm -hmm. they all come off as likable and you there is something to be kind of seen in them uh, yeah you know yeah, some redeeming quality to be seen in them is kind of what i was getting at yeah yeah so i i like all of them again again i was like immediately attached to angelica i thought she was fantastic for the moment i met her i liked lindell pretty early on i liked nevin i like basically all of she says actual mentor figures mm-hmm. um i found einsworth i did not like einsworth that much can i ask you you said at the beginning of this uh, of our kind of chat about it that you had kind of one complaint is Einworth the one complaint or is this a different one? My complaint is everyone's tacit approval of Chisei and Einworth's relationship. Okay, so to double back for a second. Okay, Einworth is I I kind of get the sense you weren't supposed to really like him in this in, at least at this point in the series. And right. if that's the case, they did a good job because I can like especially after Lindell's backstory. I can kind of see where they're going for. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like, I don't think Ainsworth is a bad dude, mm-hmm. to be totally honest. I don't dislike Ainsworth here. I thought I actually kind of yeah. like the guy. But, yeah, but he's really, really cagey. I guess to me, 
it was and kind of where i was going with this is he doesn't seem like a bad dude if the point was to kind of put you on edge about Ainsworth, that you know it totally nailed that mm-hmm. but i never felt really attached to him like i did the other characters mm-hmm. yeah definitely again i need to finish season two to see if they maybe do that a bit better mm-hmm. um well the other yeah, thing about, was... i don't like about elias is is in particular the relationship that's sort of developing between him and chisei yeah so let's, i almost want to like that. grab chisei by the shoulders and shake her and say like this dude's no good for you you deserve better than this this dude is it was that your thing about the the tacit kind of acceptance of the relationship or is that a different thing yeah it it ropes into that because like einsworth holds a lot of power and authority over chisei Mm -hmm. she's literally his apprentice and i'm like like there's there's that power disparity which is upsetting in its own way Mm. Um, but then there's the fact that he's like ancient he's super super old and she's probably not an adult yet she seems like she's like 16 or something yeah and there's so there's that which is really kind of icky um i will i will agree it i guess what kind of threw me off a little bit at the beginning was the way he's like oh you know you're just gonna be my bride kind of thing or my wife and it was like for whatever reason that just came off weird to me that it was like hey so i bought you you're my apprentice also i'm gonna marry you and it would have been I guess to me, maybe it would have felt a little bit better if it was more like, if it kind of became a thing where he said, yeah, like, Yeah, if that became you know, a thing, it would have felt a little bit better. The other thing I, I get, is... Hold on, hold on a second, let me finish okay, this okay, okay. What I'm saying is, it would have been interesting if you kind of realized that, you know, Elliot... Cause, and I think this is kind of where it is. Elias kind of sees being married as kind of the, the one of the quintessential human things. It is, right. it is two humans experiencing a, like, very strong emotion for each other and falling in love. And he right. assumes that is the quintessential thing. Okay. You so can kind of did... you can kind of argue that because he doesn't know how it works, he's very blunt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when looked in that way, it makes a little more sense. It just kind of comes off very weird, especially when it there's does. that when there's that very odd like almost I have the control in this. Um, you kind of as the series as this season goes on, he kind of loses it, and it does balance out a bit. But I can see where it's off putting to people. Like, and the other thing is that. Like, thinking back on it, Einsworth isn't particularly controlling over Chisei. No, no, he's really not. Way. He, yeah, he's super not. He, If anything, he's a little, like, not He's actually attention. a little too lax on stuff. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, don't let your apprentice go run off out of the woods like an idiot. I want I want Nevin to come by like, no, you don't write, you don't deserve this. Give me this. I'll, I'll you, teach you. <laughs> fuck you, dude. I'm going to teach you how to fucking cast a spell, you dumbass. Um, but... <laughs> Um, this spell so, is called anti-drowning i'm sure it'll help <laughs> but go it's ahead called, uh, make no your point. this spell is called air bubble i got it from the D manual uh so th- there's that and then later on it feels like they're trying to justify the relationship towards the end of these 12 episodes because mm-hmm. they keep like kind of referencing especially lindell um by the way I, like at the beginning at the beginning of those last three episodes lindell calls chisei his granddaughter which i think feels more apt to me it is weird for i did kind of find that weird because it's like okay i get that lindell views um elias as his son right yeah it's weird then to and then elias views chisei as his wife and it's like lindell that's weird that that's your grand that you consider her your granddaughter no, maybe because maybe even lindell's I think, like i don't because i think I lindell like it. is aware of like what ellis is trying to do but he's like no elias you don't get it she's like your kid mm-hmm but, like, you're supposed to be acting more like the fucking adult in the room, but whatever. Yeah. That, that's I, what I guess I all I'd say that. is, 
I, I can see why it's off-putting because it, it is kind of a very weird feeling. Um, mm-hmm. My my gut tells and me... The other, the, okay, so so the other thing mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up um, is that Lindell and I think like one other character, I think Adelica does this once, they bring up that Ainsworth, they almost like describe him like a child. Well, and that's and exactly so, where I was going to go with this. Uh, and so, and then, they, and then they're like, oh, he's a child. Like how she says a child. And I'm like, show, don't do this, please. Mm-hmm. So what I was going to say is it kind of, it kind of felt like to me where Elias is a child. And the only way he knows like how love works is through that. And I guess that's maybe where they're going with it. And I, right. I, I guess I'm kind of signing like a broken record where it's kind of like, I think what they're going for is that he doesn't really know how love works. He knows that marriage involves love. And so like a, a kid would basically say, oh, that must be it. Like says, oh, you know, I'm going to make her my wife. It does seem kind of weird that everybody's just like on board about this. Uh, Well, I mean, Angelica's not super on board with it. No, no. But I, I mean, like most characters <laughs> are like, yeah, yeah, that's just going to work. And it's like, okay. You know what it is? It, it is most of the people who are... The closer you are to normal society, the more likely you are to be like, that's real fucked up. Because Renfried and Alice don't think that's a normal situation. Angelica is like, dude, what? And it's really, it's like Lindell, who's a mage, who's a bunch of fucking dragons. Um, it's the Titanian Oberon. I was utterly if, unsurprised by the fact that they were cool by it and literally like making bets on how many kids they were going to have. Yeah. Um, if I could have a thing, I kind of wish it would, and this is me not knowing it. I almost kind of wish they they would roll it back to you know Chisa, you'll just be my apprentice, and it becomes mm-hmm. more this thing of she really she realizes that he that she does love him kind of thing, and then chooses to kind of to also have that because at the moment it feels like she's just kind of been hey this is going to happen here's some justifications of why it's going to happen, but you haven't really yeah. seen her kind of accept it, and that's kind of what they're going for in episode twelve where she yeah, kind of no, com- she's coming to terms with it and is trying to express it, so right. At least by the end, to me personally, I was a bit more okay where it's like, look, this does feel like she's choosing this. But for a while there, it is kind of odd. Yeah, like I, you get to spend the first 12 episodes thinking like she is being manipulated, kind of. Yeah, that was, um, I think, if I'm honest, I feel like that's where people's concern is, is that it feels mm-hmm. kind of manipulative until she has that moment that she could leave and then says, And admittedly, like, those three episodes do a good job of setting that up because she mm-hmm. spends the entire time away from Ainsworth. Yeah. And like doing something for herself mm-hmm. and having that beautiful conversation with Nevin. I love Nevin. But yeah, so the the other thing, and the, the other reason why I bring it up is because, and I honestly, I feel like the relationship between uh, Elias and Chise is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. I feel like that's intentional. Yeah, I do too. I, I feel like um, it's supposed to be weird and then it becomes a bit more normal or balanced out. Yeah, I think it's, and I, th- I have the feeling like the entirety of the show is going to be balancing that out. But, like, what I brought up, like, I brought up, and I, I brought up Spice and Wolf earlier, and I'm coming back to it now. I'm circling mm-hmm. back around. Uh, it has the superior uh, OP in ED, and it is yeah, also boy. has the superior fucking romance between a powerful being and a human. Um, because the, the relationship between Lawrence and Horo in Spice and Wolf is a very, very different kind of relationship. So, obviously, mm-hmm. it's, I don't think it quite would apply to this show. But the way that handles the like power disparity between them is actually done fantastically well. It shows two people who you think like one person has more power and authority over the other one, but you know, over time you just come to realize that they are they just are on equal footing with each other. And, th- yeah. and you come to realize that they both 
learn to trust and love each other well i only got two seasons in and that's well before the point that they're just gonna start saying they love each other all the time <laughs> like it, it happens at the end of it's like season Listen, two man, that they actually say let me it. tell you something do you think it's true can love really bloom in the middle of a microeconomics class apparently yes <laughs> apparently yes but yeah so but yeah like they learn to trust and uh to trust and rely upon each other mm-hmm. like over the course of those two seasons and it is beautiful to watch. I yeah. highly suggest people watch by so, itself. But so let me ask you this question. We'll kind of put this as our last one. Mm-hmm. Would you be interested in continuing to watch this series to see if it eventually does kind of hit that stride that Spice and Wolf hits? It maybe maybe mm. it's going for a different thing, but I can definitely see where it does kind of hit those same points. Yeah, I could see it potentially hitting those same points, but I feel like the function of the show is always going to put me off. Like the the age difference between them would be more okay if she was like in her 20s but -hmm. she's not she's 16 so there needs to be like a time skip before anything would feel right okay uh as for me i I think i would continue watching this one um like i said i do like the way they present the world i do like oh yeah by the way characters i I do want to clarify i will watch i will probably watch more of this show yeah i just that i have a problem with that we may not do an episode of it but it'd be it'll be interesting when we're both done with season two to Mm-hmm. chat about how it's changed well i mean hey adam hey dude what we could go we could do that if anime yeah we can we can do that okay. Anime. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay uh so i think we're about done that was ancient magus bride uh audience members i hope you enjoyed listening to us ramble for quite a while about this yeah one. we're gonna have to well, whichever one I of mean... us is gonna deal with the editing oh boy we'll deal with that let's not worry about that now let's worry mm-hmm. about this zach you got a lesson of the day for us Whew. Well, here we go. Hey there, everybody. It's time now for the lesson of the day. Today's lesson, don't sell yourself into slavery. Just, it's a bad idea. It's just a bad idea. It might lead to good things later, but it's just a bad idea in general. That's the lesson of the day. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Zach. And thank you, audience members, for listening to this episode. If you have any comments, concerns, or just want to yell at us for how we completely butchered how we say these names, yeah, I you can write pretty us... much every pronunciation. <laughs> Listen, man, Linan, she did whatever. Okay, Linan said, "Hey, that's how I say it, and that's probably completely wrong." If you have concerns about how we're pronouncing these words, you can write us at teamnitwick at gmail.com. That's team n i t w a c at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast and subscribe to us. We're on iTunes, Podbeans, and other stuff. Audience members, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Goodbye! Bye!
Coco. Cool.